Today in Season 4, Episode 11 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, with the start of training camp just one week away, the biggest question remains, will he or will he not show up? The beat moves on and so do we. It feels like it's been forever since Green Bay has had fans in town and the economy has felt it. The fans are back and this episode is packed with training camp goodness. We talk roster battles, surprise ins, surprise outs, breakout players and position groups to watch. Of course, we couldn't have an episode without a couple of fan questions to wrap things up. This has been a historical offseason. Will the regular season follow suit? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for training camp on tap. This is Green Bay. Green Bay. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a Everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Now, let me tell you this Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay. And we are back with a brand new episode as you heard it in the intro from the soothing, sexy sounds of our producer and co founder, Nebels. With the assistance of Sonic Transformation that makes our episode sound delicious. I'm here with my brother from another mother, Big Bad, Ken Ingles. It's been a few weeks since we last recorded, so really excited to get down into the nitty-gritty of training camp. Uh, As you heard in the intro, we're going to talk positional group battles, surprise cuts, surprise ads, breakout players. But first and foremost, we're going to talk about two things. There's two articles that got released Uh, about a week or so ago before we were recording. And the first one is the National Revenue article about the Green Bay Packers from Sportico.com. Mark Murphy was also addressed last Friday, which was the 16th of July, talking about the revenue impact from COVID-19. And each NFL team received a record $309.2 million in national revenue last year according to the numbers that were released on July 16th by the Green Bay Packers. That figure is driven primarily by the league's multi-billion dollar TV contracts, which were fulfilled in their entirety when the league played a full regular season and playoffs. However, local revenue is a completely different story. And last year, if you were following us here at the Unknown Packers podcast, myself and Ken, as well as Nebels, were talking about the economic impact of COVID-19 in a town like Green Bay, Wisconsin, where it relies so much, not just on the games, but everything from parking to merchandise to businesses, bars and restaurants. And when you don't have any fans at the stadium, uh, that impacts the entire city. And so we're seeing that right now. Uh, The Packers reported just $61.8 million in local revenue in 2020, down 71% from 2019 season. And like I said, that uh, that money comes from ticket sales, sponsorships, game day income, and merchandise sales. What Mark Murphy had said with the prospect of playing games in an empty or mostly empty stadiums predicted that the financial impact would be significant. And sure enough, what you're seeing right now is with local revenue cr- uh, crashing, the Packers lost a total of $38.8 million in the last fiscal year that the team had reported on this f- past Friday. Mark Murphy said it was the first time that the Green Bay Packers haven't had a profit in over 20 years, and that was before the major stadium renovation completed in 2003. 
our salary cap guru and extraordinaire. Uh, give us your perspective of this article in regards to the national revenue about the Green Bay Packers and the local revenue as well. Right. You know, I don't think this was um, unexpected. And the national revenue was always going to stay the same or grow. That wasn't really going to be a concern. The only issue there is if if regular season games have been canceled or if the playoffs had uh, not expanded if they did. But so the revenue there, four and a half percent growth, that's kind of what they look at. I think it's a little bit higher than what was a year prior. I just don't have those numbers in front of me at the moment. But that's typically what you expect at the local level too. whatever the national money is doing what the league gives each team. And then the local is what the team can kind of generate for itself. Man, that plummeted. And that's what we were talking about. That's why when everyone's talking about the salary cap plummeting and owners losing money, this is what it came down to. That revenue dropped for the Packers over 70%, yeah. which is crazy. If you would factor in the 4.5% that the national, river, national revenue grew, so instead of losing 70, if it would have you know, grown four and a half and you extrapolate that to all 32 teams. And that's not a perfect number um, or a perfect science because it's only one team and not every team has the same type of circumstances as the Green Bay Packers. But if you extrapolate that loss for the entire league, it's over $5 billion. That's crazy. And that's how much just evaporated from these local markets. Because as we know, during the pandemic, fans were not for the most part, in stadiums. They weren't in stands. And you mentioned it. It's tickets. It's promotions. It's hot dogs. It's $20 beers. It's parking. It's all that that adds up. And ultimately, what this means is that the NFL lost money playing football last year. The players were kept whole. There was some negotiation back and forth like during this time and during the months up to this time uh, 12 months ago to how this was all going to work out. The owners wanted the players to take some of the share last year. The players said, absolutely not. Um, They want, you know, can we withhold up to 30% of your salary in escrow and then add or subtract from that, depending on how much the revenue plummeted. Again, the players said no. So as a result, the salary cap is going to plummet this year, as we're all well aware. And then next year, there's been a cap on what the cap can be. And it's all because every single team in the league lost money by playing football last year. I know not a lot of people are going to feel too bad for the owners and cry poverty here, but at the end of the day, the agreement comes down to revenue. Mm -hmm. And if the revenue drops 70%, at the end of the day, the players get 48.5% of that revenue loss. And that's why we're going to see over the next few years, you know, things being a little bit tighter on the salary cap side to kind of make up and pay back um, some of that loss. Yeah. When we recorded last year, I mean, keep in mind our episode being training camp on tap. It's the little things that I'm fired up about that I'm excited about is that last year during this time, I mean, there were no preseason games. You had a truncated offseason and training camp, and you were kind of wondering what is a COVID-19 pandemic type of season going to look like from start to finish. I was skeptical. I was bullish and Mm -hmm. dubious in the fact that they could go from start to finish, and you had some flare-ups, pun intended, with COVID-19 that surprisingly did not derail any type of sort of playoffs, Super Bowl. Uh, what the NFL accomplished last year um, was truly remarkable, in my opinion. The thing that breaks my heart is uh, not, you know, being born and raised not too far from Green Bay and knowing the type of people that rely 
on the Green Bay Packers season for their own livelihood, for their own revenue, for their own financial support. Uh, that was completely just, they were burglarized, essentially. And that's what breaks my heart. So I'm I'm hoping what you're seeing right now with like the Milwaukee Bucks and the Deer District and all these people getting excited, sold out, um, sold out arenas. I'm hoping that this season, Green Bay, uh, will, you'll start to get right back on track from an economic frame of mind. But I wanted to share that article. Um, it caught my eye. It was staggering. I knew that uh, the Green Bay Packers took a hit, um, but also that uh, the local economy as well. That's devastating. I'm I'm hoping that you're. You'll see a resuscitation um, moving right. forward, especially with training camp as well as preseason and regular season with fans in attendance. Anything uh, that you wanted to add with that before we wrap up or before we right. give it to the elephant in the room? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, that we're in this unique position that we're Packer fans and it's the only team that has to disclose its financials. So we get that added kind of privilege of being kind of that little peek behind the curtain, right, <laughs> every year because. You know, the Cowboys aren't going to be sharing their financials. That's <laughs> you a good know, point. No man. other team. Like, so a lot of, a lot of like the health of the league is kind of like diagnosed or, you know, or people across the league are always looking forward to this annual release from the Packers each year. So it's always kind of interesting that we get to be a part of that as Packer fans of that our team is kind of the beacon, if you will, for like public knowledge of how the league is doing from a revenue standpoint. And I'll take a quick uh, pause here, too. You started talking about the Deer District and Bucks. Yeah, I'm just going to take a quick pause and say, Bucks and Six? Bucks Let's and go. Six, baby. Bucks By the time six. that this episode is released, it will be after Game Six. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. I'm a harbinger right now, and future me is talking about the Bucks' victory in, in uh, Game 6 at home with over 65,000 fans going to be representing in the Deer District. Let's go. It's crazy. It's, uh, it feels good living in Milwaukee, uh, being a part of the Bucks uh, organization as well. It's been a long season, a lot of unknowns. I'm glad that you mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks could be bringing home uh, something very special that hasn't happened in exactly 50 years. Can't wait. Looking forward to... Uh, the impact that the state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin sports, man, a lot of heartbreak. I'm hoping that uh, the tides have turned a little bit. And um, speaking of like good fortune, the elephant in the room, we've we've refrained from talking about this, uh, but we're inching closer and closer to training camp. I'll, I'll release the dates here in a little bit. But what is your viewpoint of Aaron Rodgers? Pat McAfee was talking about how there's a big, you know, I guess rumor going around that his house was deep cleaned and typically it's either that he's coming back or it's because maybe his house goes on for the mark. I don't want to stir the pot. I'm just regurgitating what Pat McAfee was talking about with AJ Hawk. But your perspective, been about 3 weeks since our last episode uh, before the dead zone. For those of you check that out if you want to have a little bit of a preview of uh, what we're talking about right now, but What's your, right. what's your perspective? Will he, Man, won't he? Will he or won't he? Like, I, I'm going to hold off on that. Like, the house cleaning, really? I can't believe this is a national story now. You can't believe it? Lived it? Oh, man. Well, I mean. I, I can. I, like, I, nothing nothing should really surprise me at this point. It, it You know, we had an episode talking about the dead zone, right? There's not a ton going on. <laughs> it makes and me we chuckle. Take a few weeks. 
we take a few weeks off. So I like, I get it. But at the same time, like, come on, like it's just stretching. Like I've had my house professionally deep cleaned before I brought my son home from the hospital, just because that's just something we wanted to do. I wasn't in a position to do it. And my nine month pregnant wife was in a position to do it. So we paid someone to have it professionally deep clean. Aaron Rodgers hasn't lived in that house probably since the season ended last yep. year. So there's probably some uh, dust bunnies that need to be cleaned up. Like I, I care 0% what chores Aaron Rodgers is doing around his house right now, unless there's a for sale sign in the front yard, then right. maybe we can start like digging into it and like, going on Roger's house watch. But until then I'm not on like, you know, mop watch or dusting watch. It's a deep clean. It's fine. Like people clean their houses and rich people <laughs> like Aaron Rogers can probably afford to have his house deep cleaned as many times as he wants. So it's, to me, it's a nothing, it's really a nothing story, but man, will here, won't he, my position hasn't really changed since like March when that was kind of, for me, the really big kind of pivot point with what the Packers were going to do to get under the salary cap for this season. And I said then, if they don't touch his contract, their plan is to move on after this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think ever since then, I don't think anything's meaningfully changed my opinion. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in week one. And I think he's not going to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers week one next year. Mm. I think this is more or less your last dance. He's upset with the Packers for seems like a multitude of reasons being the fact that Jordan Love exists, the fact that maybe Brian Gutekunst and leadership hasn't done enough to keep guys around, be it players on the field that he's liked or coaches that he's liked, or maybe not so much on the side of bringing guys in. He wants to be needed and loved, and I get that. Like, we all want to be needed and loved, and he's not feeling that from the organization. He's upset. I don't think he's in a position to give up over $30 million by sitting out the season, or I don't have it directly in front of me, but, like, up to, like, $20 million if he holds out all of training camp. Mm-hmm. It can get really expensive. I think I think he tried to make something move at some activity earlier in the season. Displeasure with the Packers didn't work out. And at this point, there's not a ton of leverage left that doesn't involve him paying back millions of dollars. And so I think he's going to kind of crawl back with his tail between his legs, so to speak. You know, there's a, you know, Mark Murphy mentioned it. The fan base is divided at this point a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think everyone wants him to be the quarterback of the Packers this year, regardless of how we've gotten to this point. And I think that's what we're going to get. I think that's what we're going to get this season. But I also think it's going to be the last season. And we'll see. We what, only have about a week or so to find out if he uh, shows up on day one. Yeah. I you know, I really appreciate your response. And I've always been intrigued if, if your thought process has changed a little bit. Uh, the reason why I mentioned the whole Pat McAfee quotation mark news is that he had come out and also said that they weren't going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. And literally like the next day, He's talking about like the deep cleaning. And I just got a kick out of that. Like if you're going to say that you're not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, stick by that, I guess. But again, like you said, the dead zone, they have a daily show Monday through Friday. So I get that that you want to talk about it as we get closer and closer to training camp. Also, Mark Murphy um, on Friday, which was July 16th, 
he was asked a question about Aaron Aaron Rodgers, and his response was, I appreciate the question, but this is really limited to questions regarding the financial statements. Mm -hmm. I would just say there's nothing new to update on the issue that you raised. Also, the whole COVID opt-out that uh, had people spazzing out, for lack of a better term, Rodgers didn't go that route. Um, During the match about his plans for the 2021 NFL season, he said, we'll see. And I I talked about this a a few episodes ago, which was probably about a month and a half ago, about, you know, my role in professional sports and and what I do, providing sign language interpreting in professional sports and also him being a part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, my role with that organization being the sign language interpreter for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I want to be respectful. I want to show that I have professionalism, that I... Um, have an ethical backbone. So I'm not going to conjure up hypotheticals. And I I just want to talk about the facts. And there aren't really uh, any facts. I'm I'm not going to speculate on Roger's mindset when it comes to, I know a lot of people have been talking about, you know, his approach with his family. We don't really know what has gone on with his family. And there's a lot of conjecture and there's a lot of, some people say, oh, you know, he's, and this isn't me, this is what I've seen and read, that he's petty because he's stubborn on, look what he's done with his family. We don't know what went on between him and his family. And frankly, it's none of our fucking business. And so I, the thing that really bothers me the most is the dehumanization when it comes to professional athletes. I get that you make a ton of money. You're, you know, you're put in the spotlight. Um, you're obligated uh, during press conference to answer questions. All that's all that stuff. But uh, when it comes to the will he, won't he? You know, when Schefter dropped the bomb on draft day, I was, I, you know, bamboozled. I was surprised. And then the more things kind of were unearthed about his unhappiness and how what he said in, during Kenny Maine's retirement episode about the people and the culture. Some people have said that, you know, everything that he says is, you know, he calculates. Mm -hmm. He's a highly intelligent person. What I do know about Aaron Rodgers is that he's highly competitive. They were so close to the Super Bowl, he can still perform at a high level. And his best chance of winning a Super Bowl is with the Green Bay Packers. And I know that he wants another Super Bowl. So, I'm with you on come week one. I think he is the starter. When it comes into next year, man, there's a lot of hypotheticals. There's a lot of what ifs mm-hmm. in, in the fact of like, say they go out and win the Super Bowl and he's playing at another elite level. Wow. You move on from him. And I get a lot of the salary cap and I get all the loopholes that or um, all the the hoops that they jump through. But that's what's intriguing for me is say they run the table and they have just one of the best seasons of all time and they win the Super Bowl. He's Super Bowl MVP. The hypothetical is how do you just go ahead and and move on from him? That's You've got a lot of faith that Jordan Love can replicate that and I know it's hard to go back to back but that's that's the most intriguing thing for me is that I know that he can still play at an elite level how good they will be with Lafleur and the supporting cast. They're they're going to be a damn good team. But long story long, I think he's back week one. Or I think he's starter week one, and I think he's back for training camp. You think he's there day one of training camp? Ooh, I don't or know. Does he, does he send a little send a little message or make people 
have it be the top of a conversation for a week. I don't know. That, that's that's the question I've been getting a lot lately. I've taken a little bit of hiatus off of social media and I've been uh, popping back in. And um, the questions I've been getting are, or the comments I'm seeing is, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers will come back, but maybe he doesn't want to do that joint practice against the Jets, so mm-hmm. he'll show up after that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he wants, you know, to quote-unquote stick it to the Packers again, speculating. And so maybe he doesn't show up for a day or a week or something. I just don't see it because at the end of the day, if he's to, to quote Andrew Brandt, you know, he can't trade himself. Right. He's not playing for the Denver Broncos this year, unless the green Bay Packers want Aaron Rodgers to play for the Denver Broncos this mm-hmm. year. Right. It's not Aaron Rodgers choice. Mm-hmm. They, he needs the team to play ball, so to speak. Right. So, but, but if he's going to be a football player this year, it's very likely going to be for the green Bay Packers. So, why sit out a few weeks and have a fifty thousand dollars per day plus once he's once he misses uh more than five games he starts having to potentially repay back uh signing bonus and roster bonus money and get really muddy those waters and like throw fire or gasoline on this fire mm-hmm. like I just don't see it i I think day one's the day and I just don't see a lot of like a point of you know, dragging this out, but that's just my perspective. I don't know. I share the same. I, and I think the thing that I gravitate to when we talk about Aaron Rodgers is that he hasn't said anything. Yeah. He hasn't said anything. And so when you do see James Jones, when you do see AJ Hawk, the assumption is that those are his guys and that maybe he's funneling information. We don't know that. And I think that's the other thing that in this day of age of social media and the whole dehumanizing aspect He had a grueling year last year, especially with COVID-19 pandemic and all these strict protocols and they couldn't do anything, you know, when they weren't playing football. So he wants to enjoy this offseason with his fiance. Let him. Uh, And I think all these hypotheticals and these possibilities and these assumptions, it's just like that rocking chair syndrome. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And <laughs> I love it. The article with Acme Packing Company is, and we'll wrap up with this for the first half of training camp on tap is if Aaron Rodgers was leaving the Packers, we'd know by now. And I sent this to you as we were getting our agenda ready uh, last week, and you hit it right on the head. What I was thinking too is what I find fascinating is how quickly the storyline has changed to we would know by now if he was leaving the Green Bay Packers when a lot of people were freaking out that he wasn't going to be playing for the Green Bay Packers. So again, like the storylines just change. They manipulate so quickly. So for me, my approach has been, we'll see. And let's just enjoy the offseason and look forward to training camp and we'll see. But if, I hate this phrase, but gun to my head, what would I, what do I think? I think Aaron Rodgers shows up day one. I think they go Bring, you know, the band is back together and they go out and they try their best to win a Super Bowl. I agree, man. I agree. I think this is, I think this 2021 season is going to be one for the mm. history books for several reasons. I think it's uh, obviously the drama and uh, coming out of the COVID season and trying to get back to normalcy, but I think this team can really be special. And I really hope Aaron Rodgers is uh, there at the helm because I think that only improves the chances for greatness this year. And I think this is going to be one we're going to look back at and talk about for a long time. I sure hope so. And this team has the character. They have the 
professionalism too, what you've seen with the pandemic last year and how they went about business and how the coaches relayed everything, how the organization from top to bottom did. And uh, we were right there, uh, NFC Championship. And so Matt LaFleur in his third training camp, uh, we don't, I mean, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, but we don't have what we had last year. It's an exciting time for us Green Bay Packer fans. We got through the dead zone, we got through the void, and now we're going to talk about training camp in part two right after this commercial break. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. Go Pack Go! And we are back with the second half of training camp on tap. And this second half is dedicated to training camp. And we have 13 practices that will be open to fans. The last two are the joint practices against the New York Jets. I'm just going to run through the dates for y'all. Wednesday, July 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, August 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 7th, which is family night. August 10th, 11th, 12th. You have Saturday, August 14th, preseason game against Houston. And then 18th and 19th of August is the joint practices with the New York Jets. And then Saturday, August 21st, you have a preseason with the New York Jets. Following week, practices are closed to the public, and then you have Saturday, August 28th, the preseason game of the Buffalo Bills. Some other important dates for all of you that are keeping score at home. Friday, July 23rd, rookie players report to training camp. The dead zone is over, Packer fans. Training camp has right around the corner. Monday, July 26th, we have the shareholders meeting at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Tuesday, July 27th, we have veteran players report. That's the day when we know if yours truly shows up. Uh, that would be me. If we know the elephant in the room that we've been talking about would show up. Uh, Wednesday, July 28th is the first practice, 10, 10 a.m. at Ray Nitschke Field. And the other important date, Saturday, August 7th, family night, Lambeau. We did not have that last year. Really excited to get uh, fans in Lambeau Field. It was so bizarre last year. It's excited. A new normal. Uh, we're not going back to normal, but a new normal moving forward. And I'm thrilled to start talking about Green Bay Packers with you. We've got a couple questions dedicated to training camp. We're not going to do a fill in the blank. And we're going to wrap up the episode with three fan questions that were submitted via Twitter. If you have a question, please submit to Twitter at Unknown Packers. And you could be featured on our next episode. But right off the bat... We're going to talk about surprise ads. And this isn't like free agents, but who would be a surprise player that could surprise and possibly make the 53-man roster heading into training camp? If you're looking for me to start this off. I am. Um, I am, my friend. I've got a guy that was around last year, but we didn't really get to see it all. He was injured all year, non-football injury. Of course, I'm talking none other than uh, Patrick Taylor mm, running back boy. for the Green Bay Packers. Really high on him. Mm-hmm. Guy just has a nose for the end zone. Watching him run out of Memphis, um, I started looking at some tape again today. It was just, it's fun to watch. He reminds me of James Starks. Mm. Like, you know how they talk about Starks yep. ran like kind of... Adrian Peterson too. Yeah, like very... Upright. Uh, very upright and vertical running style. 
but runs the wildcat. He's got some power. He's shifty. He's a four five guy. He's not a crazy burner, but that's still not slow by any means. I just think that he could do some of that Tyler Irvin type role, mm. kind of that he could be kind of a gadget type of player. He can add some depth. I'd be really curious to see what he can do, how th- that injury is holding up. And it, for him, it'll all come down to pass blocking and special teams. If you've got a running back number three or number four on a roster, you need to be able to do more than just run the ball north and south. you got to be able to protect QB1, which is probably n- role number one in Green Bay if you're a running back. And you got to contribute elsewhere. But I think, I think if you, if you watch some of the highlights, what he was able to do in Memphis, they got him the ball a lot. His sophomore and junior year, he had over 1,000 and 1,300, respectively, all purpose yards, 14, 18 touchdowns. Like they got this guy the ball and he's a playmaker in space. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. And definitely a guy I'll be watching come training camp. To see if you know what opportunities he has. I know he'll be down the depth chart, obviously, with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon getting the bulk of the carries at the top. But I think he really has an opportunity to uh to crack this 53-man roster, if you will. And I could see a I I could see a scenario where the Packers go heavy at the running back position mm. and maybe keep a fourth running back for the first time in a while. And I think uh t- that would be Taylor's job to grab. A little preview of something that we might possibly talk about in the later portion of the second half. I'm a big fan of Patrick Ooh. Patrick Taylor as well. Um he is not my surprise ad, but I could definitely add him to the list. There are a couple uh names that I think that could be surprised. Kurt Benkert is one that I think the Packers could possibly keep three quarterback. I think he could possibly beat out Blake Bortles. Um he's a guy that Again, I think could surprise. He's got a really quirky personality, high character guy, very accurate thrower. He's a guy that I think could be a possible surprise, and we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Um, Joe Fortunato, um, long snapper. I think that the days of Hunter Bradley might be coming to an end, so that could be another surprise add to that 53. But my guy that I think is going to make a push for the 53-man roster, and I would not be surprised to see him make the 53-man roster, is Jawan Winfrey. He's a guy that was drafted out of Colorado uh, initially in the sixth round, I believe, with Denver. And Rob Demosky of ESPN highlighted Winfrey as the team surprise player at minicamp. Demosky went on to say that he caught plenty of passes during the three days and could now make a strong run at the spot on the Packers' depth chart at wide receiver. You also had Bill Huber that talked about uh, during minicamp, he was the most productive receiver catching a pair of touchdowns during practices, including one in the two-minute drill. I think he's a guy that very um, natural when it comes to playing that wide receiver position. That wide receiver depth chart is is something that is very precarious once you look at Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and I'm also thinking uh, Marcos Valdez-Scantling. After that, uh, your guess is as good as mine. I think uh, Jawan Winfrey is going to carry over what he did in minicamp and be the surprise player for the Green Bay Packers during training camp. I think that's a great name to throw on there. Man, going back to last year, uh, 2020, he's a, like you said, he came on midseason to the practice squad, and He's actually elevated twice to the active roster during the season, once as a COVID fill-in and once because they needed a um, needed some help. But he was the first man up in a lot of those times. 
I think if the Packers keep six wide receivers, um, I think he could definitely be in play to kind of maybe be that number five or number six, mm-hmm. competing with guys like Malik Taylor or Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah, possibly Funchess too. Possibly Funchess, mm-hmm. possibly. But the way that they kind of move some money around, it, it'd be really tough to um, let him go after kind of guaranteeing and uh, solidifying some of that. I'm glad that you mentioned um, that. That's that's huge so, information when you when you look at that. Right. So for me, that that's one of the things where, you know, obviously if, if he just straight up can't play, I know he hasn't been on a football field in a while, that's one thing. But man, you if you watch some of his like football or not football, um, basketball highlights, dude looks like he is just ripped out of his mind, like <laughs> chiseled, like... I don't know. I, I don't think uh, I don't think he's been uh, sitting on the couch too much, uh, you know, <laughs> eating uh, eating Doritos this <laughs> past two years, right? This guy is. I think he's ready to show up and play. And if he can, if he can um, show that he's you know has that ability, and with this Packers team, I know he took the year off last year after opt out, not mm-hmm. getting too far into the um, into the playbook. But man, you know, again, that's a preview. I think of maybe something we might be talking about later um, with. Uh, later in this topic with training camp but i think that wide receiver bottom of that group is very intriguing awesome well i love it uh, patrick taylor Jawan winfrey are our surprise ads and pivoting a little bit we're going to do a surprise cut and, I, and i'll take uh, this one right off the bat and i there are a few names i think jay sternberger could be a possibility but still going into his third year you know he's suspended for the first two games of the season correct me if i'm wrong with that He's also had a slew of injuries that have sort of derailed his promising career being a third-round draft pick three years ago. I struggle thinking that we would just sort of cut him, even though the the depth at that tight end position is exciting. Um, I still think that there's something there that I think that possibly maybe this was a wake-up call for him. Maybe he gets clean and starts taking um, his mental health and his physical health a little bit more seriously, not trying to minimize or saying that he should, but I can relate. And so um, really rooting for Sternberger to get right back up, you know, lick his wounds and um, show out. I've got a big supporter in him. So there are a couple other names, but uh, my surprise cut, I think, is Oren Burks. I thought about Josh Jackson a little bit, but maybe he surprises with new defensive coordinator Joe Barry. But Oren Burks would be my surprise cut. And again, when you're thinking about surprise cuts, uh, it's not something that's earth shattering, like, oh, my God, Oren Burks. But. Considering that Brian Gutekunst traded up for him in the third round, there was a lot invested in him. Two years ago, he was the breakout player that everyone was writing about, and then he got injured in preseason. Um, He still has yet to really show it on the field outside of special teams. I think when you look at Chris Barnes, you look at Kamal Martin, you look at Randy uh, Ramsey, also um, Isaiah McDuffie as well that the Packers really like, and then also Devondre Campbell, who they just acquired about a month ago, uh, I'm thinking Oren Burks is on the outside looking in. He's going to need to have a really special camp. And I personally don't foresee his special team's prowess um, allowing him to stay on the 53. I think there are other players like Ty Summers that could possibly uh, leapfrog him for that position. But Ty Summers is another guy that maybe that, that linebacker core, gone are the days of where we were desperate to find some bodies at that inside linebacker position. That that group is stacked. I'm excited for that position. But Oren Brooks is my surprise cut. All right, my friend. We are on the same wavelength. Nice. I see your Oren Burks, and I'll raise you both Oren Burks and Ty Summers. Ooh, okay. That's my surprise mm. cut 
combo package, if you will. I think it's more likely than not that both of these familiar names of the past, right? You mentioned where we're just trying to cling and claw anyone who can play at that inside linebacker position. I think they're they more likely than not, they're both going to be gone from this initial 53. I think the writing was on the wall last year with Burks when they tried to play him a little bit at outside linebacker right. and that experiment really didn't work. They're just trying to find a way to get this guy involved and it's just just isn't working out. And so ultimately when I look at this, it comes down to the Packers over the past three years have kept four inside linebackers, more or less. And I think three of them are just on lockdown. You got Burns, Martin, Campbell. Mm-hmm. So who's that last spot going to go to? They just drafted McDuffie in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. They really like Randy Do Ramsey. They, right, right. But he, he's he got some outside ability as well. Yeah. Can't, can't forget about Rambo. Um, Jonathan Garvin could be another name as well. But right, right, right. It's going to be, I think it's going to be tight. You know, McDuffie kind of maybe has that edge as like, okay, if if we're going to keep one more guy, like number four on our roster, who's going to play that dedicated inside role, maybe it's a guy that's going to be inactive most of the time that we can develop. And that's kind of what you're looking for. Maybe I have a sixth round draft mm-hmm. pick. Keep in mind the Packers play a, three four base but a lot of times they're in nickel or dime and one of the first players off the field is going to be that second inside linebacker so the vast majority of snaps out of that position group it really only has one guy on the field and then we'll see how this um, new defensive coordinator likes to uh, roll out we'll see a little bit maybe more in training camp but the safety positions have also been big at coming in and filling that role kind of as that hybrid um, safety linebacker type role. We'll see how that kind of plays out with this new scheme and system. But man, I just, I'm to me, it comes down to a math and a numbers game and like a roster building and building towards the future and upside, like whose arrow is pointing up, whose arrow is pointing down. And man, I can't really say that Ty Summers and Oren Burks are guys who whose arrows are pointing up. Mm-hmm. And so at some point you got to kind of, cut ties and move on and replace. And I think maybe that's what they were doing when they drafted McDuffie in the sixth round. So I'm with you there on the same wavelength, for sure, focusing on that middle linebacker position. And correction, uh, for some reason, Ramsey and Garvin, I was thinking outside linebacker position, not inside linebacker position. So just wanted to correct that for those that were tuning in, like, what is Bryce talking about? So um, that linebacker group as as a whole, um, I know that they really like Ramsey. Garvin was another guy that made it last year. But, yeah, looking at that inside linebacker position, they really like Isaiah McDuffie as well. And I know when you look at a six-round draft pick, it's not a high draft capital, but they really, really like him. He's a powerful, very twitchy type of player as well. So um, I think that he could he could uh, surprise, but Burks and Summers really need to wow in order for them. But like I said, maybe they're sort of past due and it's time for uh, some new blood. That inside linebacker position is exciting. And as we continue on with our training camp questions, we've got two more, positional group that we're looking at, and then breakout. We're going to start off with breakout. Who is your breakout player in training camp? Man, this is coming more out of need than anything, but I need to see MVS just be the freaking man this year. We've been talking about it. We've We've been there, done that, you know, over the past year two years with MVS. Um, it's a roller coaster with him and like his performance and, you know, the boomer bust moments, but man, I think it's what, this is be year four mm-hmm. of MVS. Wow. Wow. Time flies. 
And I think this is a year like where, you know, we're, we need to see some consistent, I can be the man behind Devontae Adams. Somebody needs to be consistent and great to be that number two behind Adams. If nothing else, just for need mm. next year, there's only one wide receiver that's under contract and that's Amari Rogers. There, somebody needs to step up and say, dear Green Bay Packers, please pay me money and keep me around on this team. Devontae, I'm still in the camp of his 50-50 of whether the Packers work out a deal with him to bring him back long-term on a third contract. MVS and Lazard, th- these guys need to step up. And if I'm going to pick on one of them, I you know, I, I, I want it to be MVS. I can see it in MVS. He's shown this ability on the field. He is a premier deep threat talent in this league. And if he can just continue to build on what he's been able to show and wrap it up in a more consistent basis. I mean, he could just, he could just blow the top Mm -hmm. off this defense and be a threat underneath as well um, on some sneaky double move routes. And, Oh, I I want it so bad. And so this is more an emotional uh, (laughs) pick for me. Not nothing. There's no logic behind it. I, I really just want and need to see MVS be that guy. I'm surprised. Um, I always try to try to predict who I think you might. When we're asking these questions, I'm always trying to think of who you might go with. I was not thinking MVS. I thought that we were going to be on the same page when it comes to breakout and training camp. And I know when I'm about to name this guy, you're thinking, well, he's a second-year guy. He was a head-scratcher of a pick last year in the third round. But my breakout in training camp, is Josiah DeGuara. I think that uh, he is like Liam Neeson. He has a unique set of skills, you know, Liam Neeson and Taken, a unique set of skills that he's cultivated over a long time. And he he is that perfect guy for Matt LaFleur. When you look at Kyle Yushik of the San Francisco 49ers, the juice, perennial pro bowler, he just inked a five-year, $27 million deal at a position that people have forgot about since Mike Allstott. And here's a guy that has, you're looking what Lafleur has done. He's taken elements that Kyle Shanahan has done, you know, almost like a protege where when they work together. And I just, Josiah DeGuara is that guy that you can line him up anywhere. And you got to see some glimpses last year before his season was derailed his rookie year in week four with that ACL injury. But here's what Nathaniel Hackett said about Josiah DeGuara not too long ago. Being flexible in all different things he can do. Anytime you can have a guy you can split out, run a route, a guy that you can have in line and block like a tight end, and also put put in the backfield and be a fullback. All those things are difficult for a defense to have to game plan against because you can put him on the field and you can line him up in so many different versions of formations and personnel looks and so forth. It's exciting. The different multiplicity we can do when he's out there. And you know that term that Lafleur's used, that illusion of complexity, as he likes to call it, with the offense taking you know, a major step forward this past year and year two, you saw what that meant on a weekly basis with that pre-snap eye candy, that play action, and similar play designs. This is what Lafleur said about that illusion of complexity. We want to have like plays, meaning plays that start out looking the same that are different. We also want to create what we call an illusion of complexity, meaning we're going to run the same concepts, but how many different ways can we run them? Uh, LeFleur said via Packers, where whether it's out of 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, just to make it a little bit more difficult for that defense. DeGuire, I know, is about 10 months or less 
moved from a, a nasty ACL injury. It's expecting a lot. He's year two. Typically, players don't break out until they're year three. But Gutekunst and Lafleur wanted this guy. This was a guy that no one was talking about heading into the draft last year. The Packers snagged him in the third round, and you got to see in a short little sample size what he could do. He's a high-character guy. He comes attentive when it comes to film prep, practice, strong blocker, does all the little things. He is that gadget type of player. Um, I know we're all excited about Amari Rogers, but my breakout guy is Josiah DeGuara, depending on the health of his knee. I'm with you 100%. Every word you said, I was like, yes, yes. Because you know you know my Josiah fandom, and oh, I'm rooting for boy. this guy so much. And the, the little tease of an appetizer that we got last year with no training camp, limited news, you know, kind of coming in and then seeing what he could do early in the season. And then obviously that devastating injury. Oh man, I'm, I'm with you. He was my, you know, as you try to predict, right. Mm-hmm. I, he was the name that initially I was going to mm-hmm. pencil in, but again, staring at that just void of a need for somebody to make themselves irreplaceable or make themselves an a guaranteed extension candidate. I'm like, it, it, I I had to go MVS. I love it. But I'm with you 100%. And I'm excited to see what these two guys can do in the offense this year. I'm expecting big things. I don't know about you, but I'm, we haven't recorded in a few weeks. We're just in this flow state. I just feel like we're grooving. Maybe, maybe it's a little hubris or arrogance talking, but I just, I, I feel great what we're doing. I can't wait to wrap up training camp with you before we dive into some fan questions. But the last training camp question talking about is positional groupings that we're looking at. And I'll start this off for you, Ken. And you talked about Patrick Taylor, a guy that uh, you were the one started talking about him that got me intrigued about Patrick Taylor. Um, Surprisingly, I talked about in other episodes about the quarterback position about the and the cornerback position with Eric Stokes and Kevin King and what does Josh Jackson do? Does he surprise um, or does he take that leap that we've been desperately looking for? What does the quarterback position group look like? But the positional group that I'm most excited about is the running backs. When you have Aaron Jones, who just ain't that big deal, you have A.J. Dillon, Quadzilla, the Sultan of Squad, as you like to call him, expecting that year two jump with A.J. Dillon, considering in his rookie year, didn't have any sort of mini camp, training camp. Everything was virtual, no preseason. And you got to see what he could do in that, uh, was it week 15 or week 16 game against Tennessee where he just blew off the uh, top off, 100 plus yards, two touchdowns. But what I'm really intrigued about is that third running back position or that third running back. There's a chance that I think that the Packers could keep four considering with Jay Sternberger being suspended for the first two games. Dexter Williams is a guy that former six-round draft pick. He's entering his third year. He only had two carries for eight yards in 2020. He had five attempts for 11 yards the year before. Last year, the Green Bay Packers kept four running backs, but one of them was Tyler Irvin, who was more of a gadget player, wide receiver slash uh, running back. I'm very fascinated with that third running back group. And do they keep four with Patrick Taylor? But the guy that I'm really excited about is Kylan Hill, a guy that I think can replace Jamal Williams in that ball security, um, how he can pick up blitzes. Um, an elusive type of running back, a very explosive type of running back. I think he steps in and what the Packers wanted with Dexter Williams, and you pair him up with uh, Patrick Taylor as well. 
a lot stems from the uh, the run game. A lot of that is predicated from the run game, and I think you're starting to see in year three with Coach Lafleur, uh, this positional group really going up. I want to say to a, a, a stature that we we haven't seen. I mean, I'm on green, but when you can think about possibly three, four running backs that contribute on top of it, uh, Aaron Jones being elite and what we think with A.J. Dillon. Positional group, running back is what I'm most excited about. I think Dexter Williams doesn't make it. I do think that the Packers go in and keep four with Patrick Taylor as well as Kylan Hill, Dillon, and Aaron Jones. I think that's a great group um, in terms of position battle. You know, especially with the fact that I think the Packers may lean towards uh, keeping only two quarterbacks this year, mm-hmm. Rodgers and Love. And obviously you mentioned it too with Sternberger starting the year on the suspended list. That frees up another, you know, one or two like luxury spots. And I think that'd be a great place to um, to use one of those luxury spaces on this uh, on this roster. Man, you know, running back's intriguing. You know, we talked a little bit about inside linebacker. That one's intriguing. I think the I think a lot of the focal point for the fan base will be looking at cornerback Kevin King versus Eric Stokes, who's going to lock down that number two spot to start the season. Uh, wide receiver, I kind of alluded to that, but I don't think I can pick wide receiver because if I go to who I am and my bones, I'm gonna I'm gonna point to the offensive line. Mm. I just think it's the most intriguing. I love it. There are 16 men on the roster who play offensive line right now, and I just think there's so much there's so much story and so much intrigue because you don't know what's really gonna happen with David Bakhtiari, so you need. Uh, Who's going to be the starting five? I think it's up in the air. You've got a guy like Ben Braden, who was kind of Mr. 54 last year, I like to call him, on the active roster, who bumped up and down so many times because they needed him. They needed an extra body, and he was always the kind of the first man up. You know, Coach is talking about how he's going to compete for a starting spot yep. this year somewhere on the line, whether it's at guard or right tackle. There's about seven or eight names of guys who can be legit starters on this offensive line. And then you, so that's just the starting side. And then the depth is intriguing. The Packers have drafted six interior offensive linemen in the past two drafts and added even more as undrafted free agents. I just think that that's going to be a huge, like for me, just seeing the combinations. I love watching the big men play, um, watching the, uh, when the pads go on and watching the pass rush drills, uh, the win-loss records are always kind of something I like to keep an eye on. So for me, my eyes are going to be there. How many do they keep? What happens with Bakhtiari? Regardless, I think there's going to be some talented players on this roster currently who are not going to make the 53, mm-hmm. and we're going to either hope to maybe try and get on the practice squad or maybe a casualty. You know, At the end of the day, Lucas Patrick... I think is probably one of the most vulnerable veterans left on this roster whose deal has not been reworked like everyone else's, it seems like. I think there's like 13 or 14 guys I've lost track of veterans who've had their player or their contracts reworked for cap space. Lucas Patrick is kind of the lone man out with you know him and Aaron Rodgers right now for obvious reasons there, as we talked about. I'm thinking that if you bring six you know, interior offensive linemen and you his contract isn't touched. It just kind of seems like, okay, I'm, there's got to be maybe some reasoning there. And they still have some work to do on the financial side of the equation here to get ready for um, the regular season salary cap wise. So he might be one of those surprise names that sure can play, uh, but might be a 
you know, a late camp trade cap or, you know, one of those, one of those unfortunate cap casualties as we get down to 53. Mm-hmm. What do you free up? Two million if you cut Lucas Patrick? Possibly, uh, it's just shy, like one point eight million. Okay, and really at this point, because everyone's most everyone's deals have been reworked, that's like the most from like a straight cut or a trade at this point, because everyone else money was pushed out. So if you cut them all, that comes, you know, rushing back at some point. So he's on the last year of his deal as well. So I just find it very intriguing overall, top to bottom, that roster. Who's gonna start? Who's going to be the backups? Who's going to be those swing tackles? And what's Lucas Patrick's fate? I just think there's so many storylines here. I love it. Um, As we wrap up training camp on tap, uh, we're going to do three questions, but one of them was already answered, talking about the wide receivers and the running backs. But we've got two fan questions as we wrap up training camp on tap. And the first fan question is from Josh Krenke, K-R-I-E-N-K-E. Follow him at Josh Krenke. What are the odds that Jair sticks around after his contract is up? I imagine he's going to want CB1 or maybe CB2 money if the Packers can somehow manage that. Is it pretty much impossible if they don't trade Rodgers? And you being the salary cap guy, this has got your name written all over it. What are the odds that Jair sticks around after his contract is up? 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no way that the Green Bay Packers are going to let Jair Alexander out the door. Right. I think he gets his extension next year, so 2022, or the offseason before tw- the 2022 season. So think like February, March, April of the coming year. He's on the books next year for $13.3 million on the cap on his fifth-year option, fully guaranteed. There's no way that the Packers can keep him at that number. We don't need to get into the full details, but the Packers have the absolute worst salary cap position of any team in the league next year. They're going to need to be able to reduce these numbers significantly. And he's the one that you obviously want to be able to get a deal done. They can make him the highest paid cornerback in the league, making Jalen Ramsey money at $20 million a year and free up over $6 million of cap space. And I think that's an easy move. That's something that you just do. You get your you get your shutdown corner locked up at this point, the fifth year option has more or less become just like a, like a preemptive franchise tag, right? Like we're going to keep you. We know you're going to, we're going to keep you. You're going to play out the last year because we need your salary cap cheap for year four. And we're going to work on an extension next year. It's like pretty much guaranteed, especially the fact that his contract is fully guaranteed in years past those fifth year options. You could cut those players and then, if they don't pan out during that fourth year and not be out anything. Now they're fully guaranteed. So that decision to lock up that fifth year option, that's a pretty big commitment that you're making. So I stick with it hundred percent Jair uh, here for the long term, regardless of Aaron Rodgers um, situation on this team. I'm with you. This is Brian Gutekunst's first, first pick and boy, what a home run of a draft pick that was. Um, I know a lot of fans were, clamoring for Derwin James and Tremaine Edmonds and um, even Marcus Davenport as well that who got selected by the Saints where the Packers were and you know trading down and trading up um, acquiring another first round draft pick that they essentially used with Darnell Savage as well as some other draft capital but um, yeah what a home run of a pick with Jair Alexander he is a lockdown I love his moxie I love how he uh, approaches the game a guy that meditates a guy that takes very attentive care of his mental health as well as his uh, physical health and I just love how he plays he's a guy that just um, you know 
even with a smaller type of stature, he's a guy that the opposition knows who he is and entering into his um, fourth year. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting to see what he can do. He's gotten better every single year. I'm with you. He's a, he's a no-brainer. Uh, he'll be the next big contract that the Green Bay Packers will finalize. Um, our last fan question before we bid adieu for a few weeks, and this is with Chris Karlecki, K-A-R-L-E-C-K-E, and he's been a... Um, He's submitted a couple fan questions before, a lot intrigued with the salary cap. But he says, approximately when do they release Aaron Rodgers in the offseason to move on to Jordan Love? Sooner, I imagine, but how soon? Okay, so... Sort of talked about this a little bit. Yeah, some clarifications here. So, release, they're never going to release Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers, ever. If Aaron Rodgers' future with the Green Bay Packers or if, if Aaron Rodgers is not going to have a future with the Green Bay Packers, I should say, it would be via a trade or Rodgers somehow just straight up retiring, which I don't see very likely. So it's probably going to be via a trade. So I just want to clarify that part up with the release. And then I assume you're asking about like after this season. If not, I don't see the, I don't see the Packers trading Aaron Rodgers this season. We talked about that earlier. If they trade him, which I, I'm the belief that they will trade him next season, or at least their plan at this point seems to align to them trading him next season. And obviously plans can change. I would think that it would be similar to some of these quarterback trades that we saw this offseason, hmm. where maybe you would see the news break in like February or early March. Think of like the Matt Stafford deal or, Goff. oh man, yeah, uh, well yeah, Goff and, were- and then... Included. Yep, that those were those are back and forth. Who's the Wentz uh, from the Eagles? That right? was a crazy was, trade. Right, those deals can be worked out and like the terms like agreed to well in advance, but those cannot be executed until the start of the league year. So if you remember, like I think it's around week eight or nine. I don't know if it's still the same now that we have seventeen games this season, but there's a trade deadline. And after that deadline, no trades are allowed for the rest of this 2021 season until the start of the 2022 season. And that's not until like mid-March. And so while that's when we hear these deals, right? Jared Goff being traded, Stafford being traded. But they couldn't pull the trigger on that until the league year started. So you might hear some rumors or rumblings earlier, like Rodgers and, you know, fill in the blank team is going to you know going for x amount of first round picks and what have you right it'll be a huge story if and when it comes but that's don't expect anything to march the issue though with this is that the as i mentioned earlier the packers have just a dumpster fire for a salary cap next year 2022 they need to clear 37 million dollars before the new league year starts which does not include aaron Rodgers' trade mm. Again, they need to be able to, the new league year has to start and they need to somehow, as of right now, the way everything on the books, they need to clear over 37 million and that does not involve Rogers. So then after they get to that zero above 37 million, then they can trade Rogers and get another 22.7 of savings, which they will need at this point just to get back to minimum and reworking like about six deals and cutting other players. It's going to take a lot. It's going to be a roller coaster. So that's just like a preview of some of the things we can talk about in the months ahead. But 
it's going to be a wild, wild ride. And while I've got my assumptions as to where the Aaron Rodgers story may end in Green Bay, again, those are assumptions, and we'll kind of see see what plays out this year. I can't wait for it. I cannot wait to see what happens this season. I think it's going to, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be one for the for the history books um, and to be continued there, to say the least. I think uh, the puzzle pieces, the stars sort of align a little bit. This is the third year of Coach LaFleur, uh, what they endured last year. You're not having a quote-unquote COVID type of training camp. It'll be interesting with the vaccinations and unvaccination or unvaccinated players if that'll impact the 53-man roster, but we'll save that for another episode. And let's not forget, I mentioned this at the beginning of the, of the episode, I'm trying to think of the word. We were um, we were ransacked of a preseason and training camp last year. Let's cherish the little things. Let's appreciate training camp. There's a lot that can happen in the future, but we're not guaranteed that. Let's stay in the moment. Let's appreciate our Green Bay Packers and training camp is just around the corner. For those that are curious about our next episode, I'll be going on a road trip for a much needed vacation after the Milwaukee Bucks season, and we will be releasing our episode Wednesday, August 18th, which will be our pre-53 man roster. Until then, any last words before we bid adieu? Big bad Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I, I'm, I'm excited. I can't believe that training camp. I know, the man. It's, it feels like it's two years in the waiting because it is yep. for a training camp. But I don't know, just this time off between like Packers news and it just seems like just was forever. And then, like it was never going to come. And you look at the calendar, it's like, holy cow, this week, rookies report, which is crazy. And um, good, you know, have fun on your road trip. I know you've been busy. The Bucks have been uh, keeping you busy, but for good reason. Um, being in the finals is a good problem to have right. and the associated work there. Perhaps Nebels and I will sneak in and Ooh. do a, an episode if uh, with you know with our parents out of town, if you will. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Especially if there's especially if there's anything crazy that happens um, between now and then. But uh, have fun. And man, it's been a blast. It's been a blast talking with you, catching up. It's been a bit and it has been. excited to do it again soon. Looking forward to it. You guys get the keys to the house when I'm gone. And that's actually a brilliant idea. I would look forward to it to be a perfect time when I'm on the road trip to catch an unknown Packers podcast episode with you two. If that uh, ends up coming into fruition, as always, can insightful, enjoyable, um, at times comical. We have a, we have a couple laughs, but um, I love your perspective and um, I love what we, had, what we had on the agenda today. I hope everyone that's tuning in enjoyed as, uh, the episode as much as we enjoyed talking about it and recording. Until next time, I'm Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingalls. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined. <laughs>